Hey guys, and welcome to the Life Oasis podcast. My name is Chaim Golazer, grief recovery specialist located in Brooklyn, New York. My name is Mati Chain, life coach located in Brooklyn, New York. Hey guys, I would like to give a quick thank you for our new and improved intro to YC Suffern on the guitar and Mendel Goldman for engineering it. Thank you guys so much. We really appreciate you. We have with us today, basketball coach, entrepreneur, teacher, and personal growth junkie, and also a classmate of mine. Yosef Halevi. Welcome, Yosef. What's up, man? Good morning. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Oof, a little. From Brooklyn, Crown Heights. Definitely moved a lot around as a kid. I spent every summer in LA since I was seven years old, so that's where my not Crown Heightser accent comes from, and I'm very thankful for that. I love basketball, love reading books, just love a good adventure, love spending time with great people. I'm very happy to be here, honestly. So how did you get into basketball? That's a good question. So when I was in elementary school at a really hard time, I got bullied really badly and life was just overall challenging. Basketball became a space where I could just be me, do my own thing. At the time, I didn't realize it, but basketball was just a place where I was present and that's the power of being present. And I just followed the the joy that the game gave me and took me on a pretty epic journey. So you said present. Could you just take us in a little bit more of what you meant that it made you feel present? Sure. It's so easy to go through every single day and you're either thinking about the past or the future. And it's pretty rare, I feel like, in our society to actually just be here in this moment, right? Three guys sitting, talking, having conversation. And when we can tap into that, just be here, not there, not the past, fully in this moment. Something really magical happens. I, I would say it's kind of like a peaceful experience. And I believe that's where the magic of life is. So I guess I always gravitated towards basketball because I could experience that inner peace and that magic when I was on the court. That's beautiful that you found that and that space that you created for yourself because so many times in life, we're always busy running from here, running there, you know, especially the, when you get older and you have more responsibilities, you don't really find that time to ground yourself, to stabilize yourself, to be more you. And having that outlet in life is extremely, extremely healthy. And I think that is the way to grow. Like people that are in the job and they're all stressful and everything. And the first thing in my coaching, I always ask people is, what do you do for yourself? The one thing that you do for yourself to feel centered, to feel grounded, to feel connected to yourself. And it's really interesting how through a sport where you're running back and forth and you're like chasing something and, you know, with a whole bunch of other people, that's where you feel presence. For sure. And, and, and what's crazy on top of that, like what you just said about how people are literally going through their day, going through their lives and they're not even there. Like what? Yeah. And, and it's like, and you have that one thing that you do for 30 minutes or an hour or an hour and a half. And that's where you get to be present and experience life. Because ultimately, like the positive elements of life can only be experienced in the present. And it's, it's wild that, that we're at a point where, where it's like, we're just bargaining for those 30 minutes. And, and how, how awesome would life be if we could be like that, you know? every second of every day or even half the day or even three hours of the day, you know, just be there. So it's pretty wild to yeah. think about. Yeah. 
it's very well. It's something I always ask my clients is if money wasn't a factor here, if you had all the money in the world, if, if you didn't have to great question. work, what would you do? And I've almost never heard someone say, oh, I would do nothing. They always said, you know, like they're like bring out a certain passion of theirs that they've been dying to like bring out, to like feel more present with themselves, to feel more connected to themselves. And it's extremely important to do in our life. It's extremely important to be more us because when we have that 30 minutes, that hour, hour and a half where we play basketball or do whatever it is, if it's art, if it's playing guitar, if it's taking a walk, if it's reading a book, each person has their own way of expressing themselves. That half hour can enhance your entire day. It can enhance your job, your relationship, relationship with your kids, relationship with your friends. It enhances you and it allows you to grow and you become better for yourself and for the people around you. And also it's like, it's a, it's a cycle, right? So like the more, the more present you are, the more aware you're going to be and the more likely you're actually going to be to figure out the things that you enjoy doing. And then the more you're doing the things you enjoy, the more present you're going to be. Exactly. Yeah. It's like a mitzvah, gererus mitzvah kind of thing. Definitely. Definitely. Being in the present is such an important thing, which we sometimes neglect. Like we'll be at an amusement park with friends and we're just sitting there and we're on our phones and we're just not present. And it's insane. It's like, what are you doing? You have such amazing opportunities, such amazing things around you. And you're just sitting there on your phone. Yeah. And, and, and I think like we have to ask ourselves, why are we not present? And it's really, it's crazy for me. Like the more aware I become my life and of myself, right? I find that whenever I'm, I'm not in this moment, it's usually because I'm uncomfortable. It's usually because I'm afraid. It's usually because I'm insecure. I'm fighting something. There's, there's an element of resistance. And when I find myself feeling that way now, I just start digging into it. You know, it's like I see my mind drifting into the future. I'm like, why are you thinking about that? And I find that there's just so much fear there. And ironically, like the easiest way to cope with that fear is, you know, not to run away from it. It's to sit in the moment and feel it and face it and work it out. And because if you're always running away from it, you're never going to resolve it. It's not going to resolve itself. And that's been like a common theme in life. One, one concept that I loved, Mel Robbins, she's a public speaker, author. She wrote a book called The Five Second Rule. And one of the ideas that she talks about in the book is something called activation energy, which is basically like the beginning of something, of getting something started is generally going to be the hardest part of it, right? To, to start going to the gym and start working out you know, the first month, the first two months are really the most difficult in terms of in terms of you never exercised before. Now your body's going to be sore and achy. And once you're two months into it and your body's starting to feel good, you're not really getting so sore anymore. You're like, wow, this feels great. And you have two months of momentum behind you. So now going to the gym is not a burden like it was in the beginning. It's not even like something you you don't look forward to. It's something that excites you. And it's something that becomes an anchor in your life to to propel you forward. It gives you momentum to do other amazing things and it becomes a source of confidence. And the, the idea of activation energy is like when you, when you become aware of that, you know, the beginning is going to be difficult, but it will get easier and it will get better. And, and I feel like on the other side of that, that activation, like two, three months down the line, it's life just becomes really awesome and you can discover a lot of cool things. 
I see it so commonly, like when people talk about going to therapy in the beginning, they're so nervous and they're so scared because they're about to open up to a complete random stranger. Yeah, he has a degree, but he, at the end of the day, he is a stranger. And then like after the first week, two of just opening up, sooner or later, they start seeing results of their therapy. And then they're just like, oh my God, I love therapy. I want to go more to therapy. Yep. And it just, oh, it's with so many things in life that we have this where we just are like, oh, it's difficult in the beginning. And that's why like when I start something new, I'm always like, don't give up. Wait until you feel it. Wait until you actually know. There's this, uh, this concept that we have in Judaism, uh, which says, all the beginnings are hard. And one of the things that I tell clients who come in, in the beginning, I'm like, listen, we're not going to sit over here and chill and have fun. It's going to be hard. There's going to be work that needs to be put in. And people are like, oh, no, if it's hard, I don't want to do it. Then they like sort of like break away from things that are hard. And people associate hard with impossible a lot. Like, it's hard. I can't do it. Like, why not? Great observation. And it's, it's like, it gets a point where like people are afraid of hard. And we sort of go through that together. And we try to break those two away, meaning something that's impossible, why even try doing it? But something that's hard is good at the end of the day, because what comes out of that is enlightenment of some sort. It's meaningfulness that I accomplished something, that I did something in life. And it's not just, oh, it's more mundane things that are easy. And I'm inside. Yeah, in order to get to that meaningfulness in life. You got to actually do, you got to break through that comfort zone just a little bit, not too much, you know, not to go too crazy, but like a little bit outside and it's uncomfortable, but that's the point. That's what growth is all about. You know, as kids, we experience growing pains. Yeah. Growing is painful, but it's healthy, but it's good because we're moving somewhere. What's wild about that. Actually, I was talking to my mentor the other week and he was saying, he was just pointing out how we always talk about we're, we're creatures of habit, right? And that that either works to our benefit or to our detriment, right? It's either working for us or against us. And like laziness is a habit, you know. It's it's just it's just the way our brains work. And we're gonna we're gonna continue doing what we do. I make my bed every morning. It's not something that I think about. It's not something that like no consciousness goes into it. I make my bed every morning. It's a habit. And also like not making your bed is a habit. You know, you're not going to find people who make their bed 15 days out of the month and then they don't make it 15 days out of the month. And like tying that into the concept of activation energy, when, when, you, when you apply those two concepts, you say, hey, I'm a creature of habit. I know the beginning is difficult to formulate a habit. If I can just get through that beginning stage, that activation energy stage for six weeks, eight weeks, I'm going to have a habit. And now that's just going to carry me forward because now you have the habit. Now going, now going back to, now going to the gym is a habit. It doesn't take much conscious energy. Now you wake up one day and you're like, I'm not going to the gym today. That's going to feel weird because that's your MO. That's how you're operating. And what, what I realized, I think at a, at a young age, maybe at 18, is like my life is, is going to be whatever I make it. And I'm going to be living anyways. I'm going to wake up every morning. So why not wake up every morning to a life that I love? Like it, it's kind of, it's kind of very logical to me. You know, I'm going to spend 24 hours a day on this planet. So why don't I spend those 24 hours in a home that I enjoy, around people that I enjoy, in a workspace that I enjoy, doing things that I enjoy, because I'm going to be here anyways. Yeah, I mean, I just spoke to a friend of mine yesterday and he sort of like, divided a little bit. It's like, listen, you have a choice. Are you going to live your life 
by default or are you going to live your life by your choice? If you live your life by default, you're going to let things happen the way it is. And then you're just like going with the flow. But if you live your life by choice, that I have a choice in life and I can make my life something, I can create a new reality in my life, then it takes work and it actually takes effort to do. Also, you said about like um, habituating yourself into certain routines and stuff like that. A few years back, I learned about Maida'ani, where you sit, wake up in the morning, you put your hands together, you say Maida'ani. I learned what it actually means, how you're thanking God for a new day, another chance to live. And I felt that that was super important. And I really wanted to every morning wake up my hands together and say my Dani. And it was super difficult. Probably spent like six months going on and off. I had a week here, a day here, a month here. And I don't know what happened. Just in the middle of nowhere, I realized I was like, oh my God, I've been doing this for three years. I'm still waking up saying my Dani like that and thanking God for a new day. And it's beautiful. Just what little habits can do for us. Absolutely. And running with that, it's like you have... 20 of those habits in a day and your life is awesome. Like I call them anchors, right? They're like the things we do, like these weird little things that keep us grounded. And like when we're thrown off kilter, they kind of bring us back to ourselves. And it's like when you know that no matter what happens, no matter where you are, you're going to wake up and you're going to do that Modani, that, that, that grounds you. That brings you back to yourself. And on what you were saying earlier, Mati, is like, you can either live your life default, you know, let things take their course and live as a result of that, or you can be intentional. And I think the first, the first step to being intentional is starting with the end in mind from seven habits of highly effective people. But it's, it's a definitely, there's, there's a lot there. You know, I, I asked myself, who do I want to become? And you take yourself down the line, you take yourself three years into the future, you say, what do I want my life to look like in three years? Now, where I think this gets complicated is like, that's a, that's a huge question. That's a tough one to answer. So, so what I find that I do that helps me with that is I break life down into five categories. So I call it five healths. So you have your physical health, your spiritual health, your mental, emotional health, your social health, which is like your relationships, if you're married, it would be with your spouse, with your brothers, sisters, parents, friends, and then you have your material health. So I asked myself, what do I want my life to look like physically in three years, right? What do I want my body to look like? And I define that, you know, what do I want my life to look like spiritually in three years? And I define that. What do I want my life to look like mentally and emotionally in three years? Define it. Socially, define it. Materially, define it. And that kind of helps me create a vessel to put all this information out on and then, you know, start with the end in mind and then work backwards. Say, okay, who do I need to become? What actions do I need to take to become that person who is able to do a hundred push-ups in three years? You know? How often do you do this assessment? So I wouldn't say I have like a set time period for it. I kind of I kind of like to revisit this stuff whenever I'm feeling off. And other than that, I have like a pretty flexible outline that I follow. But whenever I'm really feeling off, which has happened less and less frequently, thank God, I, I go back to the drawing board. Yeah. When you say that and you start feeling off, you're going back to you're doing the, the work. That's a really hard thing for some people. What would you tell someone who's feeling off and is having a hard time getting back on track? How do you deal with that? So the biggest thing for me is 
you have to have a vision and it's hard to do, but the rewards are, are so beneficial. I mean, so, so I say you have a vision because like when somebody's having a really difficult day, if you're just putting, like leaving your life in that day, that becomes really difficult. If you're having a difficult day, but you have a vision of where you want your life to be, of where you want to go, how you want to experience the human experience. It makes those those difficult days a lot more bearable because you say, all right, you know, I'm keeping my eyes on the prize. This might hit me. That might push me off. So I'd say when 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 I'm feeling off, I just, I really focus on the vision. I remind myself why I'm doing it, you know, because the why in man's search for meaning, Viktor Frankl quotes Nietzsche, I believe, he who has a why can bear any how. And it's so important that our why power is bigger than the challenges, because if it's not, it would be a lot more difficult to have the drive to persist through the challenges. Something that I like to do in business coaching is, for example, when someone needs to get a truck, right? So there's a lot of complications to buy a truck for his business. You know, there's this and then there's license and there's paperwork and everything. And we can get very caught up in the mundane, in these small little details. So what we usually do is ask him, why did you create your company? And then ask him why again and why again and why again and why again around five, six times. And then we sort of get to the core of like the purpose of like why he created his company. Why is his company different? What's his personal expression in his company? And then, for example, if it's to make people feel better wearing a certain clothes. So, okay, have that in mind. So when you buy a truck, remember that it's to make people feel better. And then when you make a direct connection between doing something mundane to something that is more to the real purpose behind it, all of a sudden, all the mundane things seem a lot less scary. They seem a lot less intimidating. And you sort of have this energy and motivation to actually take it on head first and go straight into it fearlessly. For sure. Oh, I mean, I, I think I think this is like a a very fundamental concept to go places in life to, like you said, just think of the bigger picture. Actually, when when I was 18, when I was 17, I finished high school, moved to LA for like five months, had a cool experience there, came back. So I was 18 years old and I kind of just, I, I made this image in my head of like my wife and kids and family and I just started working, right? Like I started hustling and when I would be like presented with the opportunity to blow a lot of money, which young kids like to do, you know, to go out to like a crazy dinner, things that are kind of irrational. Like I believe you have to enjoy life for sure. Just, you know, I, I would, I'd be super happy to get coffee with a bunch of friends and just talk about life. I don't think it needs to be at reserve cut every month, but I, I would just like when things would come up that would kind of derail me, it could be stress. It could be me having a hard time believing in myself. It could be really any challenge that life threw at me. I would just remember why, you know, they say when you feel like quitting, remember why you started in the first place. So I think about my family. I think about my future kids. I think about my sisters. I think about my brother. And that would always help me like, no, it's so much bigger than this. You're not going to let that comment or that feeling or you're not going to let that throw you off because there's a lot of work to be done here. And it's, it's a lot more meaningful than whatever, you know, thing comes in the way, whatever roadblock is there. I like what you said about the whole money thing. Like everyone loves spending it because once you have it, it's just it's there. Why not spend it? And I think 
the best way to look at it is the same way you look at life. All because you could do something doesn't mean you have to. For sure. And and I want to like, I want to talk about this. Part of the reason why we spend and why we have so much overconsumption is because we're not fully appreciating what's in front of us. So we're like looking for things to enhance it. So bringing it back to being present and you're talking about being in an amusement park and sitting on your phone, life is so rich. Like I'm talking about everyday experiences that we take for granted and the best things in life are free. And I think the things that have impacted me the most weren't, you know, it wasn't a pair of Yeezys that I bought. It wasn't a a designer coat that I bought. It was having a real conversation with somebody. You know, that's where the paradigm shifts happen. They happen in conversation. They happen in, you're at the Kotel in Israel and, and you're just like, you have that moment, that awakening. And we're searching for meaning in meaningless things. And the meaning is right in front of us. And we have, I, I don't know, like I can tell you at 18, 19, I really believed that success looked like Gucci loafers and driving a BMW. And I thought to be fundamentally happy, I needed to have so many ridiculous things that definitely don't equate to happiness. And I got to travel this year. I went to a few countries, two weeks at a time, a couple solo trips. And I definitely had a lot of time to reflect and I was in poorer countries and I wouldn't turn my phone on most of the days. And you see like these kids, you know, one of the coolest things I've ever done in my life was being in Mexico and going to a a basketball court and seeing a guy there that was like a 55 year old guy, native, and he was shooting and I saw how much he loved basketball and I taught him how to shoot. I spent two hours with this guy. And I was showing him the proper technique, form, how to follow through, your base, all of that. And this guy was so happy. And I was so happy. Like, it was such an epic experience. And and I didn't pay for it. You know what I mean? It was connection, right? And like, the, the most meaningful thing in life that we can ever do is connect to people, to give to others. Sometimes we give by taking. Sometimes, you know, it happens however it happens, but it's human connection. And that's really all we're striving for. And you have people that give up their whole lives so that they can wear the Gucci loafers and drive the BMW. And they sacrifice the best thing, which is human connection. Because they're neglecting their friends and family because they're working like a dog so that they can fit into an image of what success looks like. And I think success is something that's extremely personal. And we have to really define it. Like, what does success mean to you? And what does success mean to you? And what does success mean to me? Because it means something different to everybody. And when we do that, right, we can apply it to the concept that we were talking about before. Say, okay, so if that's what success looks like to me, what do I need to do to become that person? And ask yourself why. Why does success mean that to me? You know, figure out where you're operating from. Because for me, money was always like something I was insecure about. I didn't grow up with it. So there there was this moment, right, in the beginning, it was like, I need to make money to make that that insecurity, like to satisfy it. But that insecurity will never be satisfied until I actually face it. No matter how much money I have, money is not going to solve that insecurity. Digging into it, facing it, working it out, that's going to resolve it. And I just love how you said that it's a, it is a money insecurity, but money will not help that. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to 
So, so now you have people who are going literally their entire lives just working for the money because of that insecurity, and they never worked it out. Activation energy, right? Much easier to just stay the course and keep doing what you're doing. And, and to me, that seems like a really tough existence. I, I wouldn't want to go through it. Really, it's you're operating from fear. So I, I, I don't know if like shallow is the word that I would use because it's actually, it's very pain-based. Like it's, there's a lot there. I think there's, there's two, two ways to look at it. I mean, some people just don't know any better. They're not taught differently. They're taught this is what is valuable, so go strive for it. I think that would be shallow. I think for some people, it's, it's, a, it's a legitimate insecurity. And we need, we all need people in our lives to keep us in check, to be real with us, you know? I was with a friend the other week. That's a little embarrassing. And he's like, he's like, Yosef, your, your breath smells. I love you. And like, you're an amazing person. And I, I want you to know that. And, and I, like, I looked at him and I was like, thank you. Thank you. Like that. Thank you for bringing that to my awareness. Cause I didn't know that. So I could have went, you know, for the, and I figured it out. Right. So I could have gone for the next six months, nobody telling me anything. And every person I'm having a conversation with is like, damn, this dude's breath smells. And yet, you know, if somebody would have said that to me two years ago, I probably would have gotten very offended. But I've worked on that and I was able to thank him because ultimately he was doing me a favor. He was being honest. And we need those people. We need those people who are going to say, Yosef, is this really you? Mati, is this really you? Are you being true to yourself right now? And those are really important conversations to have. Yeah. Many times when people are, you know, when they're ready to take another step in life, when they're ready to get married, when they're ready to start a business, I always ask them, is this something that you want or is this something that someone else wants for you? Maybe your parents want it for you. Maybe your friends want it for you. You know, mm. many times in life, you, you know, people tell someone, yo, you know, you should totally do this. You should totally do that. I can see you have so much potential, but they're not what you really want. And, you know, even like when it comes to getting married, for example, like, oh, you know, you really got to get married, you know, it's good for you and everything. Like, it's not really what you want. And something that this comes back to grounding yourself, it's to understand yourself and ground yourself and allow yourself to be. Because if you live a life of running away from, then you're always going to run away from and look for something else externally, something outside of you. And that's where you're going to search for your meaning. That's where you're going to search for your validation. That's where you're going to search for everything in life. But if you live a life of connecting to yourself and not running away from yourself, or we'll call it running to something and not running from something, then you allow yourself to be more. You allow yourself to connect more and want to create more from a place of internal will and not be afraid of it. And I think a lot of people are afraid to express themselves in their own unique way, maybe because they were put down as a child, maybe because they don't believe that they're good enough, a thousand different reasons. And it's scary. It's scary to be vulnerable that way because what if someone quashes my belief? What if someone steps on me and says that the thing that I believe in that I should do in life is wrong? I mean, that's a big risk. It's sort of saying that everything that you would love to do, your, your potential that you believe in in life, your existence is meaningless. And there's a risk to that. And it's scary. It's scary to be vulnerable and scary to allow ourselves to be ourselves many times in life. Yeah. Fear of inadequacy, fear of rejection, fear of failure. You know, most people are living life like that, including myself at times. And I think we have to ask ourselves, you know, on, on Sunday I went with my mom. We visited a family friend who's in the hospital. Uh, they're 
not in the best condition and they're battling cancer and you know I'm sitting in this room with my mom and I was crying because you know it's sad but also it's very real it's a reality check you know like I was saying we need those people to give us reality checks hopefully we can get them from ourselves and sometimes we get them from experiences and I'm like sitting in this room and I'm looking at this middle-aged woman who's not doing great and in those moments you know it's a shame in those moments but that that we need those moments to bring it out of us I'm just like I'm sitting there and I'm like yo am I not gonna tell the people that I love that I love them until they look like this god forbid you know what am I waiting for what am I waiting for to 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 make a move on anything in my life that 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 I'm holding myself back right because of fear, because somebody might squash my dreams, because somebody might squash what I have to say. You know, am I going to wait for something like this to happen? Or am I just going to go do it? And because you realize that life is so much bigger than than whoever's putting you down or whoever's telling you that you can't do it or whoever's telling you that you have to do it. You don't have to do anything. All right, you can move to an island in Mexico, become a fisherman, live on the beach in a tent. Like, you don't have to do anything. You could do whatever you want. And obviously, you should want to do things that are conducive to your well-being. And it's so easy to, to get confused, especially when we have so much noise in our lives from everybody, right? You have to do this. You should do this. Oh, don't do that. It's so easy to just put your arms together and just be like, all right, I'm just not going to do anything because I don't want to step on this person's toes or that person's toes. And I think that's why it's so important to to create space from the people that are not conducive to our well-being even if they're parents even if they're siblings even if they're relatives even if they're they used to be your best friend like it's so important to create space and distance from those people and to create a space for people that make you feel good and for people that are like-minded and for people that support you and like-minded in the sense of they don't have to share your religious beliefs or political views or anything like that. I say like-minded in the sense where they value truth and they value honesty and they value the pursuit of it. And, you know, birds of a feather flock together. You're going to be like the people who you surround yourself with. So I don't blame the kid who's in a home and he's constantly surrounded by a toxic environment. Like, how is he not supposed to feel toxic? How's he not supposed to feel that toxicity of his environment? If it's He's living there, right? Like he's he's immersed in it all the time. And that could be very dark. But the light side of it is like when you start getting yourself around the right people. I I told someone the other week, I said, You ever you ever watch a Disney movie and there's just like this scene? Disney does it so well. It's just like a scene where you're watching it and you feel like magic in your stomach. I told him, I said, You make me feel that way. And and I have a few people like that in my life, and it's a massive blessing because life truly is a magical experience and we have to put ourselves in that space and in that frame of mind and in that environment where we can experience the magic of life because life can also be a dreadful experience right so we have to take ourselves out of that space of dread and put ourselves into that space of magic and then like we can do the most insane incredible awesome things yeah so two things which i wanted to say what you said about the sick person there was someone i was very close to when i was 15 i saw him and haven't seen in a while and I was going out with my friends for drinks and I kind of pushed him aside. 
said, oh, we'll talk later. Like, whatever. I might see him down the line again. I have no idea. And I just left. And then a few years after that, he passed away. And that was like one of the last times I spoke to him. And he was someone who meant so much to me in my life. And the last time I saw him, I kind of pushed him away to go drinking with friends. And I remember just not knowing what to do with that. Not about the grievance, not about anything like that. Just not knowing what to do with the fact that I pushed him away when I needed. When I could have said, hi, how are you? I love you at least. And it, it's not the best feeling. And it kind of made me realize that you have to be there in the present for the people around you because life doesn't only revolve around you. It's about the people around you and you always have to be there for them, lend a helping hand. And as I always say, when you're sad, call a friend. When you're happy, call a friend. That's real. That's real, bro. And I think life is so precious and it's like weird. We have to, sometimes we have to lose life to, to recognize it. Maybe not in, in the spirit of death, but maybe somebody leaves our life because we neglected them or because we didn't treat them well. And, you know, I think one thing that's important to, to be aware of is like the experiences that we have, right? One of my favorite sayings and anybody that spends time with me will hear me say it all the time. Take advantage of the opportunity of a lifetime and the lifetime of the opportunity. I'll say it again. Take advantage of the opportunity of a lifetime in the lifetime of the opportunity. What does that mean practically? I have two younger sisters and they're teenagers now, 13 and 15. And they're gonna be my age soon. They'll probably be married when they're my age. And they're gonna be with their husband, they're gonna have children, and they're like gonna go out into the world and they're gonna be really successful. How many coffees do I have left with them? Like, I'm not saying like, I'm not saying in the rest of our lives, but like how many coffees when they're teenagers, do I have how much, how much more time do I have to take a Sunday to go to Manhattan and spend four hours with my sisters and go for lunch, you know, like seriously. And same thing with my mom and same thing with my dad and same thing with a lot of people that I love. Like how many more times will I go to dinner with a close friend in the city? You know, life, like life happens. We were in high school not so long ago and we were in college not so long ago if you went to college or but we're doing like life moves forward and if you're not there right going back to being present if you're not there to appreciate those moments and even when you're in those moments when you're at the amusement park if you're not there like you're just gonna miss it there's no there's no going back there is no going back if you're not there you're gonna miss it and you can be there with your body but if you're not there with your body mind and spirit you're missing the magic of life. And if anyone's like listening to this podcast, I want you guys to look back onto anything in your life, any happy moment. Those were the moments that you were present. You weren't on your phone or you weren't avoiding reality. You were actually present. Those are the happy moments you remember. You don't remember the times you were sitting on your phone. It would have been in Paris. If you're on your phone, you were in Paris. Yeah. And to add on to that, like, have you ever had a moment how or how many moments have you had on on like scrolling through Instagram where you just like smiled ear to ear or started dancing or got up and started dancing for joy or like like that stuff doesn't happen. How many posts do you remember that you've seen on Instagram? Like actually, you know, I don't I don't use Instagram. Sometimes I'll log in, see if anything interesting happened. But beyond that, like all the wealth is here. We don't need to look anywhere else for it. And I would say like a a practical, you know, step to be in this moment is take a deep breath in through your nose, out through your mouth, and you can do like five of them. See what happens. 
And if you just take one deep breath, like we'll do it right now. Let's just take one deep breath. You're really just bringing, like, I think my tone of voice changed. Like you're bringing yourself into the moment. And in the moment is where the magic happens. It's where the real change happens. It's where the growth happens. And also just bring awareness. Like be like, ask yourself, am I in this moment right now? And if the answer is no, well, when you ask yourself, am I in this moment? You bring yourself to the moment. Just start reflecting, you know, thinking. And I think like going back to what we were talking about earlier, we think that there are like these massive mountains. We think it's impossible, but really just what I find like the things that make my life really cool are really small things. It's waking up in the morning and early and meditating for a little bit. Sounds very cliche. Exercising, taking a cold shower, going for a walk by myself, journaling, going for a walk with a friend, spending time with people that I love, doing random activities. But it's really just, it's really small things. And that's for me, like it took me a long time to to value that and to appreciate it. But I'm really thankful that I'm at a point where I do value that and appreciate it. Talking about being in the present, we were so in, in the present that I forgot to ask the question about your basketball. Oh, how did you get into coaching? How did that whole entire basketball road Oof. go down? Okay. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So eighth grade is when I start to take basketball seriously. I would work so that I can pay for my lesson. Once a week, I'd have a lesson. And really, I, I fell in love with the process of getting better. So, so 14 happens in the summertime. I spend every day in the park and I just got a little bit better. Summer, when I was 15 years old, this was all in LA in the summertime. I'd go there every summer. I would wake up at 5.30 a.m. and go to Beverly Hills High School and train. And I met an NBA trainer one morning. His name is Kenny Ellis. He's an amazing person. And he ended up training me. He was like fascinated by this little Jewish kid that he saw in the gym at 5.30 in the morning by himself. And he said he was going to Boston to train somebody on the Boston Celtics for 10 days and that I should call him in 10 days. And he literally charged me his Uber to the gym. Like he didn't make any money on that. And we're still close to this day. Summer of 16 rolls around and I started practicing with the Beverly Hills High School team. I was going to play for their team. And then complications came up with Shabbos. And I basically was given the ultimatum, Shabbos or basketball. And initially I chose basketball. I was like, ball is life. You know, I got to go for it. And then last minute, I was truth oriented. I was honest. I asked myself, what, what do I value more? My, my heritage, personally, my, my grandparents are from Iraq, and my family goes back to the destruction of the first Beis HaMikdash, so that's 2,500 years. So it's like, this is your bloodline, you know, what are you going to priorities? So I moved back to New York, and I started waking up at 4 in the morning to train, and I would go to Utica Avenue, take the B6 bus to the J train on Atlantic Avenue to the last stop in Jamaica, Queens, and... I got a lot better that year. I was I was never actually like that good at basketball. And and I, I I made a lot of progress. At the end of that year, I ended up having some issues with my hip, which kind of put me on the sidelines. When I was 17, I, I started coaching. And when I was 17, I met a guy named Shua Polanski, who Chaim and I both knew. And I coached for him. He had a basketball league called Shua's Basketball League. There were 24 kids in it. So I coached for him that year. 
And then I was planning on coaching for him the following year and he passed away. So a group of awesome people came together and they formed a board and they continued the league in his memory. And I did the coaching and that summer of 19, I worked with NBA players the whole summer. I helped out a trainer named Drew Hanlon. He's also a really cool guy and he works with all the amazing NBA players, Jason Tatum, Bradley Beal, and a bunch of other guys. So that, that was kind of basketball. Now I could, I could talk about like my basketball journey for like a long time and I kind of wanted to keep it short and, you know, practically like somebody listening to this great, Yosef Halevi likes basketball and he's worked with NBA players. But what I would want to clarify about basketball. So what did basketball give me? Yes, it's true. Now I do coach basketball. I have some private clients. I do a bunch of leagues and things like that. But what basketball taught me, and I didn't even know it, basketball was my, basketball was kind of like my first mentor. It taught me about life. It taught me how to be successful. And I didn't even know it at the time. So it's like very simple. You step on the court and you cannot hit a shot. If you shoot 100 shots, you'll get better. Uh, and if you shoot 100 shots with the right technique, you'll get better. And basically after you wrap it out, you step on the court and you couldn't make a shot. Now you're knocking down shots. And, and that's kind of life, right? Like, and, and you have to learn that that's the process and that's okay. And you're not going to get everything right away. You, you most likely will not. There's nothing cooler than seeing a kid who steps on a basketball court and cannot make a layup. And then you, you show them the right technique. You say, you got to jump off this foot. You got to shoot with this hand, you know, how to hold the basketball properly. And you see this kid try 10 times. And like, he starts to put his shoulders down. He gets a little bit dejected and then he makes the layup. You know, he could shoot 100 layups and miss before he makes his first one. He makes a layup and like he doesn't even know what just happened. And it meaning, meaning he just learned one of the most valuable lessons a human being could learn. And he's seven years old, eight years old, nine years old. Those are called life skills, right? And the smile that those kids have when they do that is like so, so amazing. Such a great feeling. So that's one thing that basketball taught me. The other, the other thing that basketball taught me is it taught me how to work hard. Like it taught me that if you want to get better at something, you just have to put reps in. And I, I guess that kind of builds on the last theme, but that's kind of, that's kind of like, it's so important for people to know that because when you put this ridiculous expectation that you have to step into something and like do it well, do it amazing, like right when you walk into it, that's not conducive to, to cultivating any skill because that's not how it works. If that's how it works, then it would be great, but it's not. And I think a lot of kids don't try things and a lot of young people, a lot of our friends, a lot of my friends, a lot of people our age and a lot of people, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, you know, going on, like they do not try things because maybe they tried once and didn't work out. But when we have that awareness of like, it's not supposed to work out the first time, practice, you gotta, you gotta earn it. Then, then you go into it and, and, and you won't feel as bad or I won't feel as bad and then I'll build confidence because I'm, I'm willing to go through the motions and I recognize that even though I'm not scoring my basket yet, maybe I'm not making the layup yet, but I'm one step closer to making the layup. And I think that that part of the process is very underrated, right? It's like, it's, it's, it's the steps that you're taking to bring you closer to where you want to go. That's progress. Just even having a conversation about something is progress. It doesn't even need to be like your plan of action. It's like when you sit down to make the plan about the plan, that's progress. 
and that's the only way that things happen one step at a time one day at a time like i instant gratification is such a common theme now like we're just we expect things to come to us right away just to cap off that thought the the only way you're the only way we're ever really going to get something down is by wrapping it out and trying it so with all this progress talk, it's so difficult to consistently make progress because you get into your comfort zone. And when you're in your comfort zone, it's kind of pleasant. And growing is uncomfortable, so it's unpleasant. What, what do you recommend to the people you coach in basketball when things are just unpleasant? They're trying, it's hard to jump that, that long. What do you recommend to them? Oof, it's a good one. What I would say is, and I think like definitely... An important life philosophy is that sustainable change, right? Change that we can sustain is gradual. And going back to that like instant gratification idea, it's just not how it works. You're not going to get it right away. You know, Rome wasn't built in a day. So what I would say is, and this is something I remind myself of all the time, it's like micro habits. You just have to break it down almost to science and keep it as simple as possible. Like, the, the goals that we set, I think, in life coaching, I'm not a life coach, there's this idea of, of when you create goals, they have to be realistic, meaning, meaning we can do incredible things when we're consistent. You know, I don't like lifting weights, but I'm going to use the example of lifting weights. Like you walk into the gym, you're not going to be able to bench press 200 pounds, right? You start at wherever you start, 20, then you go to 22, then you go to 25, then you go to 27, gradually. And before you know it, you're there if you're present and if you're enjoying the process and not always just thinking about that, you're like actually just doing whatever you're doing. So I say like set like ridiculously small goals that almost make you laugh at yourself, like brush your teeth twice a day. I like to floss my teeth at night. That's one of the things like anchors, little anchors that we were talking about earlier, brushing your teeth, flossing could be a a five minute meditation, a cup of water, a 10 minute walk, journaling for five minutes like literally these small things. Now, you know, you add all these things together and you do those things for six months, your life really will look different and try it, you know? So what I would say is like, if, if we're getting super overwhelmed and, and like really overwhelmed and we don't feel like we could do it, we're probably in a little bit over our heads. So just break it down, put it into really small things that you feel like you can do and track your progress. That's a big one. Because when you track your progress, there's a book called The Compound Effect written by Darren Hardy. And he has a like a PDF online that you can print out. And it's a progress tracker. It has like all the days and the actions you want to take. And you write it down. And like you write down, brush my teeth, make my bed, journal, read, meditate, work out, and check them off. Check them off, check them off. And like when you look back in two months and you're like, wow, I did all that. And by the way, start with one thing. I wouldn't even say start with two things or three things. Start with one thing. Start with brushing your teeth, like literally, uh, see and see where that takes you. Like, how am I going to be a, a high performing person, like spiritually, physically, mentally, socially, materially, like we were talking about, if I'm not, if I'm not doing the small things, Jordan Peterson talks about that too, right? Like, how am I going to do that if I'm not even executing on the small things? So it, it's only logical to, st- to start with the small things. And those are great for building confidence. And they're good to do. So win, 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 win. I think it's also a little bit more than that. Meaning a lot of people come in and say, like, I want to be more me. Like, I'm trying to understand who I am. And it's a bit difficult to pinpoint exactly who you are. 
because a person is a composite of many different things. Like you're not one thing. You're not either happy or sad or angry or productive or kind of because we're always moving and we're always we're always in this place where different parts of us are sort of bumping into each other. You know, my will bumps into my thoughts and my thoughts bump into my speech and my speech bumps into my actions. And like they're always clashing with each other. But that is what growth is. That is what humanity is because we're always moving. So your inner self sort of expresses itself in micro personalities. And you won't be able to figure out who you are unless you actually try to figure out what those micro personalities are. Meaning, am I a kind of person who likes to floss or not floss? Am I a kind of person who likes to take a walk or run? Am I a kind of person who likes to go to the gym or not? You know, like, and through figuring out all these small little things, you're able to connect yourself more. And it comes through trial and error. And it takes time. No one can figure out who they are in a day. It's extremely difficult to figure out who you are if you don't try the little things. And if you're not consistent and persistent with the small little things in life, that's what allows you to connect to yourself. Even the journaling or, or meditation or all these small things, the little micro personalities that you feel that are really you. And, and that just allows more space. I said in the beginning, it, it causes a positive feedback loop to connect to yourself more and more and more. So for example, me, I, I like meditating and I like journaling but I don't like doing other stuff. And there's so many different types of meditations. So for example, like breathing exercises, I'm not a big fan of that. Or in coaching, for example, we were taught to use all these different personality assessments. I don't like these personality assessments. I don't feel like it's really me. Do I have to do it just because I took it in a life coaching course and I got certified in it, so I have to use it? No, because it, it doesn't feel really me. So we sort of go the other way. And I allow myself to do the things that I love and the things that I connect to instead of trying to avoid that. There's a theory, um, Carl Jung has a theory called circumambulation, meaning that your potential presents itself in the present moment, in the things that you're interested in. And by avoiding the things that you're interested in, you're not bringing out your full potential. And it's a whole huge theory about it, but the main point is to allow yourself to do the things that you're interested in and not avoid yourself. If you want to connect yourself, then start doing the things that you're interested in. Start doing the things that you love. Start doing the things that you love unapologetically, unconditionally, and just do it. Because that's the way to connect to yourself. That's the way to love more. And, that, and that's what would generate more productivity. I like to view my life as a book, a novel, because if any of you read novels, you know that the author always throws in these small little details that have such a major effect onto the story. So I kind of view all my small little details as like my little bumps in the road, my minor setbacks, my minor habits that I'm having to get better. These are all my little things that just are going to matter near the end of my story. I don't see it now helping, but in the future they could. You're saying that like all of the challenges and experiences and whatever are eventually going to lead to something or? Yeah, that's like, I mean, if you read a book and there are no challenges, in the first few pages, you probably put down the book because it's a boring book. And at the end of the book, it's a great feeling that you have because it was a great story. And that's how I kind of feel about my life, that it just, all these things happen for a reason until one day I'm just sitting there and I'm like, whoa, look where I am now from then. Yeah. And, and on that, I think there's something very powerful there, which I, I read this in a book called Psycho-Cybernetics, which is a great book. Just because you made a mistake, that doesn't mean that you are a mistake. And just because you failed, it doesn't mean that you are a failure. And 
you know, we're going to have these bumps in the road. They're inevitable. And it's up to us to really, you know, put whatever spin on it that we want. You know, I was like, I barely graduated high school. And then I graduated college with like a, a really good GPA. And I guarantee you, like somebody would have went to my teacher in 12th grade and been like, Who, which of your students do you think will be successful in business or in life? Just like successful. I guarantee you she would not have said me. And that's okay because like I was betting on myself. But I think it's so important to, to, to bring awareness to that. Like we're going to have bumps in the road. And really the way the rest of the book is written is based on how we react to those bumps, you know? So it's really about what, what do we do when we're hit with a challenge or what do we do when we make a mistake after we make a mistake, after we, you know, maybe fail at something or how do we, how do we bounce back? What's our, what's our reaction? And I think that ultimately like that defines who we are. I mean, literally, you know, how do we react to things? Because some people get derailed by the smallest things. And if they maybe, you know, I think it comes, confidence has a lot to do with it, but a lot of people don't try because they fail one time. That was their reaction to it. I'm not going to try again. going to give up. Some people fail and they're like, I'm going to get up and keep going and keep going until I get it, until I get it. And, and, and they love that. They love that process. I would say I'm one of those people for some reason, I kind of like enjoy the frustration of challenge the challenges and like struggling. And actually it's been interesting recently because, you know, where I was in my life three years ago, didn't look as pretty as it does now. And I had a vision of it looking like this and I can't say it's the exact vision that I had, but I visualized a better life and I took the actions, I had faith and brought myself here. And now it's like, I'm pivoting a bit because this whole time I was really operating from like a place of fear, a lot of it and desperation. Like that's where a lot of my drive and work ethic, push, push, push came from fear. And now I feel like a lot of those fears I'm at peace with and I've worked through and not to say that I won't have other fears or that I'm perfect because I'm far from it. Now, just where I'm operating from is totally shifted. And, you know, like I'm figuring out like, okay, well, what's my new source of drive? But what I'm realizing is that a lot of it comes from like just wanting to be a good person and wanting to really serve others and add value to others' lives. And also a lot of it for me is just structured around being present and maximizing the human experience. But it's really tough to be hit with. And, and so much of our struggle is like unseen. So much of our pain is unseen. And it doesn't have to be dark, like it's human, like so much of our pain goes unseen. And, you know, everybody that you see is probably struggling with something or know somebody that's struggling with something. And I think it's super important to have the tools to be able to cope with those things and to have a system in place to help cope with the challenges that life hits us with. I totally relate with that because I think three years ago I had this beautiful vision of who I wanted to be now. And... I started working and I had really, really major setbacks. And the only thing like today that's still keeping me going is knowing that I still had those, I had those setbacks and I still kicked. I still was like, this is not going to stop me from being what I want to be. Yeah, it's, it's been three years and I'm not as close as I wanted to be to where I am. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I'm still kicking. I'm still trying. 
And that's all that really matters. And it's difficult when you don't see results so much to continue trying, but just the faith and knowledge that like, I have a good support group. I have good friends, including Yosef right here and Mati. And I have what I need to grow. And that's all that matters. And I'm still trying and I won't stop. Yeah. Many times in life, we try certain things and we go on this process and we don't necessarily reach our goal right away. And it could take two years and three years and you could say, oh, well, I haven't got there yet. So let's stop for a second and ask, okay, where did we get? How far did we get? And the progress that we made until now, we tend to not put too much value to that because I may have not reached my goal 100%, but I did reach, we'll say 70% of it. I did reach 50% of it. And that has value. Like, okay, this is what I did. This is what I'm capable of doing. How can I make that more? How can I make that 51, 52, 53%? And yeah, it's going to take time, but there is progress. It's not like, it's not black and white. It's not either I did it or I didn't do it because life is happening. Things are happening all the time. And sort of going back to being in the moment, if we don't appreciate the moment that we're in, we're not going to be able to allow ourselves to grow more. There's this beautiful story. I'm going to throw it in here and I'm pretty sure I threw it in the previous podcast, but I'm just going to do it anyways. There's a story of the rabbit. There's a guy who needed, there's a guy who wanted a bracha from the rabbi and was a bit urgent. And they said, listen, there's a little trick that you can do. Instead of waiting online and like making a date for Yechidus to meet, a, to have a meeting with the rabbi one-on-one, you can catch him on the way going from his house to the car and ask him a quick question. So he did that. He waited. And the rabbi came out and he right away jumped. And I was like, no, 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 leave the rabbi alone. He's, he's busy. And the rabbi was like, huh? Give him a second. And the rabbi spoke to him, gave him an answer. And afterwards, everyone was like, what was that all about? So the rabbi said that a person lives his life 70, 80 years to do a favor for another person. And you have no idea when that time, when that moment will happen. You literally have to value every single interaction, every single moment in life, because you don't know what effect that you can have on another person. And that's going back to being in the present and allowing yourself to be and sort of appreciating the progress that you have made, what you do have in your hands, instead of focusing so much on what you don't have or what you didn't have or we don't have yet. And it's way easier said than done. But that process itself starts with baby steps. It starts with appreciating one moment at a time by journaling, appreciating what you did that day, writing it down, acknowledging it, actually taking the time to think what did I do today? What did I process today? And write it down. Then you look back at it six months later and like, wow, that was an awesome day. Like, this is where I was back then. This is where I am today. Look at how much value I created in my life. Look how much meaningfulness I created in my life through appreciating one day at a time. Absolutely. I think it's so important to, to enjoy the process like you're talking about because to, to build anything epic is going to take time. And if we're not enjoying the process of building it, then it's a lot more difficult to take the time. It's a lot more difficult to put three, four, five, eight, 15, 20 years into building something. And to really build something great takes time. It's just how it works. And, you know, to, to truly enjoy the process, you do need to be present. And it's so important that people realize that. And when it comes to making money, right? A lot of times people ask me, you know, should I go to college? Should I not go to college? And I think college ultimately, you know, it, it depends on what you're doing with your time. 
If you're willing to utilize the experience, it's a great place to learn. Depends on the school, depends on the professors, but there's definitely a system in place to learn. And if done right, it can be a tremendous experience that adds a lot of value. The way that we make money is is by adding value and it's by creating value. Jim Rohn, uh, like an iconic, legendary public speaker, says, if you work hard at your job, you'll make a living. But if you work hard on yourself, you'll make a fortune. And we, we really, we get compensated for the value that we add. So the more value that you're able to create, the more value that you add, if you're, if you're a marketing guru, you're coming up with a marketing campaign for somebody, you're getting paid not for your hour, you're getting paid for the value that you add to the marketing campaign, to the money that they're going to make based on the campaign that you create. And that's why the person who's developing a marketing campaign will get paid more than somebody who's a cashier because the value that they're creating is worth more than the value that the cashier is creating in the sense that more people can be a cashier than a marketing strategist. And I think the way that we all become successful in terms of making money, and money is important, is by, by increasing our value. And how do we do that? By investing in ourselves as people, right? Because the, the more connected you are as a person, the more down-to-earth you are as a person, the more connected to yourself you are, the more value you'll add. The more you know, the more value you'll add. So, so much of the stuff that, like, that I'm working on now personally in my own life it's very hard to measure because it's it's really me investing in myself. And yeah, I do make a living, Baruch Hashem, thank God. But most of my time is actually invested in my own personal development because I'm really living my life with that philosophy. You know, if if you work hard on yourself, you'll make a fortune. And I think it's really important to to be aware of that. And look, if you read five books, 10 books on marketing, you'll know a lot more about marketing than most people. And and you'll probably, you know, combine that with your prior experience in life and the intelligence that you have, especially if you have a good head on your shoulders, you'll be able to do some serious damage. And you're you're going to be able to create a lot of value. And on that note, just like I love books. Books have changed my life. Two things I think that everyone needs. They need books or they need something to to input information. So it could be a podcast, it could be YouTube, it could be anything, but you need something to input good information into your mind. I personally, I like to read and I listen to audiobooks as I read. So I get the audiobook read to me and I just follow along much easier. So that's one. So for me, it's reading and two, a mentor. Like a mentor will save you so much time and they will give you so much great direction. And, you know, a good question would be like, well, how do I find a mentor? I want a mentor. Two things on that. One is a mentor could be your mentor for a day or they can be your mentor for your life. And you can have a bunch of mentors simultaneously. It's not like one mentor. And when you read a book, right, this is what's amazing about books to me. When you read a book written by one of the top marketing people that ever lived, you're spending five hours with one of the top marketing people that ever lived and he is giving you his best information because people put their best stuff in books. So you're having like a five-hour conversation or a five-hour lecture, whatever, with one of the best marketing people ever. You're going to learn a lot from that or about health or about anything that interests you. That's what's amazing to me about books. And even 
right? Like we were talking about creating space for good people to come into your life, even if you don't even know who those people are. There is so much on the internet, so many people that you can surround yourself with. Personally, me, I surround myself by Jim Rohn. He's on YouTube. I think he passed away. I probably spend 30 minutes with him every single day. And so I think, I think reading books and having a mentor is so, so helpful because they'll show you things that it would take a really long time for you to see for yourself. And one of my favorite sayings is when the student is ready, the teacher appears. So you build those vessels and you show up and you work hard and you be ready as a student and I guarantee you your teacher will appear. Yeah, I think it's extremely important to have a source in your life where you can absorb information and that turns you into a resource. And that's that's just incredible and we could expand on that for the next three, four hours. Yeah, we could definitely talk about it. Yeah, but since we're winding down towards the end of the podcast, we ask all of our guests this question, if you were interviewing yourself, what question would you want to ask yourself and answer it? Like if I was interviewing myself in this moment? Yeah. In this moment, in this moment. Yes. Me now asking myself a question that I would want to be asked now in this moment. Yeah. yeah. And okay. then also answer it. Right. <laughs> and then answer it. And think about this. I think the question that I would want to be asked would be, what drives you to do what you do? And, you know, like, what's, what, what drives you, right? So that would be my question. What drives you to do what you do, to be who you are, and to continue striving to be the person that you want to become? And I think the answer to that would be, kind of mentioned it earlier, but life is really precious. And we're, we're gifted time on this planet, and we're gifted this life. And it's really ours to to choose what what we do with it so so what drives me is i really really just i'm so happy when i'm in that process of becoming the best version of myself and i think every day is an opportunity to be the best version of yourself in that day and and i really just love that process of getting better of learning new things of connecting to people of having an impact and pushing through pushing through challenges and to me that that that's just priceless so what what fuels me to to do what I do why do I do what I do is because I love the process of of being better than I was yesterday and I love it for so many reasons a because it it helps me build something that I enjoy being in right I get to build an amazing life two I get to show people around me that you can really do anything and you can really change your circumstances. And I think kids really need to see that to be like, hey, you grew up this way and you can change your narrative. You grew up poor, but you can be rich. And you could have grown up, it doesn't necessarily mean money. You could have grown up poor in terms of emotional well-being and you can be rich in that. I just want people to know that there's really nothing that they can't do. And I and I say that, and, and I want myself to know that too. So I'm like saying that to 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 the public including myself and I, and I just love to to shatter shatter the limitations that I put on myself or that that people put on me and and I love to 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 prove to myself that it's possible and I love to show others that it's possible too you give us a moment for that wow that was powerful that was yeah thank you for sharing that I 
really, really appreciate that. So at the end of every podcast, we ask our guests, what are your three favorite books that you recommend people to read and why? And you mentioned a whole bunch of books throughout the podcast, which is amazing. So let's try to like make an order. So okay. what are your f- three favorite books that you recommend people to read and why? Okay, so that's, that's a loaded question. And I'm going to say it's an unfair question, but it's a good question. Meaning, you know, like, because every, everybody needs something else. And, and when I think of books, like, I just really think of them in terms of ideas. So when somebody asked me, Yosef, you have any book recommendations? Like, I think of their personality and I think of ideas that they can benefit from, from becoming aware of. And it would all be beneficial. Everybody has like the, their own ideas that, that would help them if they, if they knew. I would say, and I would also say like reading a book is like, you can read the same book as me and take it totally differently. And also you could just read the words. So I'm, so I'm, I'm basically, I'm creating an outline for what, what I'm saying is like the books that I'm recommending are books that I would say you have to really read and internalize and take notes to get the full benefit or else it's just going to be words. And I would also say like, it should be read, not like three pages a day over shop. It's like, read it with a highlighter, highlight the things that stand out to you. And every chapter that you finish, write notes on it. The three books that I would recommend are, one would be As a Man Thinketh by James Allen. And I think it's a great first book for people because it's like 25 pages, very, very powerful 25 pages why the book basically talks about the power of your thoughts and the power of your mind. And he uses the analogy, he says your mind is like a garden, which can either be carefully cultivated, right? You can either plant your apple tree, your orange tree, your flowers, your roses, or it can be left to grow wild and weeds will grow. And what that, what, what I take from that is like everything that you put into your mind is planting a seed in your mind. And that seed is going to grow. Whatever goes in your mind grows. So where, where your attention flows, your energy goes. So that's why like, I don't check out the news because there's so much negativity on the news and it's planting seeds in me. And that's what it does, right? It plants a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety, a lot of paranoia. So that's like a really important idea. Right? And also like watching just any, any information that we're putting into our mind is going to grow. So be careful about what you put in there because it's precious and it's going to grow. You don't want that. So that's book number one, As a Man Thinketh by James Allen. Book number two, I would say uh, The Magic of Thinking Big by David Schwartz. Also like a, a classic old school, maybe you're in Nimbus 60s. And, and, it, and it kind of, it's similar to Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And a lot of these books have, have similar themes. And also Psycho-Cybernetics by Maxwell Maltz. Like we will never rise above our image of ourselves. So if you want to be bigger, you have to see yourself as bigger. If you want to grow, you have to see that growth. And that's why we like to, you know, look down into the future of who you want to be in three years because you can only be as big as you see yourself. So you have to see what that person looks like. Make an image of him and spend time with him every single day, him or her, you know? Spend time with that person. What does that person look like? What do they wear? What's their personality like? What are they doing with their time, right? And, and when we see that stuff, that, that helps us get, get to that person. So those three books. So that's why I would say, because they, they teach you. I, I, I'm saying I just, I put like three books into one, but I would say the magic of thinking big is like 
the most simple, best book to to get you there. And the the reason why I recommend it is because it will teach you the value of expanding your self image, and that's the only way we do great things. Because to to do something you've never done, you have to be someone you've never been, right? So that would be my second book. So we have As a Man Thinketh by James Allen, The Magic of Thinking Big by David Schwartz. And I would say I would say a good second one to read. Like I would put The Magic of Thinking, As a Man Thinketh first, The Magic of Thinking Big third. The second book I would say is The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. For people who like don't read a lot, it's a really good beginner's book because he talks about the compound effect, which is basically, you know, small actions done consistently over a period of time will equal to radical results. And why is it called the compound effect? If you've ever looked at a compound interest chart, you'll see it kind of looks like a hockey stick. So it goes, it increases gradually, let's say 8% a year, 7% a year, 6% a year. And then it hits this point where like, it just shoots up. And, 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 and that's kind of what happens as people, right? It's not like life is not linear, right? What happens is you go and you gradually increase right? That's that activation energy. That's like that slow warm up, kind of like when you start riding a bike, you know, when you like that, it's always those initial pedals. But once you get those initial pedals out, then you start to pick up speed. And that's where you get momentum. And when you have momentum, you can do something in 30 minutes, that would usually take you two hours because you have focus, you have momentum, you're in the zone. So those would be my three books, As a Man Thinketh by James Allen, The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. The Magic of Thinking Big by David Schwartz. And my like honorable mention would be The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. Tolle? Eckhart Tolle? I don't know how to pronounce his last name. But that book is very dense, so I wouldn't recommend it for a beginner reader. But it's a very, very, very powerful book. Something you could probably have to read, you know, two, three times. That's my honorable mention. And why? Because it speaks about the value of being present. And it brings tremendous awareness to that whole realm. And that's definitely a, a, a massive, essential part of the, really maximizing the human experience. Wow. Thank you. And the last thing we have is five rapid questions. I'm just going to ask you the question. And the first thing that comes to your mind, just answer. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Who's your favorite basketball player? Kevin Durant. What's the best advice you ever got? Compare yourself to who you were yesterday, not who someone else is today. Yes. Favorite color album? Black. Best place to read? Coffee shop. And your favorite genre of music? Classical. And that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been an honor and a pleasure. Yeah. I, I honestly I had so much fun. Yeah. Like you guys are great. It was super fun to just be here with you guys. Listen, connect. I can definitely say I was totally present. And my first podcast. So I think that's like, yeah, that's a woo moment for sure. So thank you guys for having me, honestly. You're very welcome. Just FYI, and we can't see it, but Yosef is right now laying down on the couch with the mic like right by his face. And he's just like chilling. And this is awesome. Thank you so much for joining us, Yosef. This was actually, now that you mentioned, I do want to point out that we don't prepare questions for this podcast. We really don't. We sit down and we just want to have a conversation because I believe that's the most genuine and real you you could be is when you're sitting down just having a conversation with friends. And I feel like that with all our guests. So seriously, thank you for being here. Thank you for being comfortable, Present. for sharing. Yeah. Yeah. Had a blast. We should definitely do this again sometime. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much and have a great day.